hormones are not the root cause. You can run whatever type of hormone test. And if your hormones are off, that's not like the end of the line. Like, oh, this estrogen is here. You have to figure out why. It's it's your lifestyle, like you said, it's your lifestyle. Sometimes it is, you know, other things not necessarily a lifestyle and you need a little bit extra support, but that's not the root cause is your high estrogen. It's what is driving that high estrogen that you need to fix. What what landed you in this situation? And it usually is more than one thing. It's not like, like you said, you ate one piece of chocolate or it's not, you gained five pounds. It's usually like a mix of like five different things that you have to correct in order to, to, to support that estrogen. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You're tuning in to episode 197 of the Well Woman Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. If you're a consistent listener, I love that you're here. We are talking in this episode today about inflammation. Inflammation's effect on hormones and a healthy cycle. Our guest today is Michelle Pennycook, and Michelle is an integrative and functional medicine dietitian who focuses on women's health and hormones. Through her own health journey, Michelle realized that the path to true hormone harmony has to take a root cause approach to wellness. She now helps her clients find the root cause of their chronic hormone symptoms through personalized nutrition, functional lab testing, and targeted lifestyle change. We are chatting all about hormones that drive inflammation and also inflammation that drives hormone imbalance from what causes inflammation to what hormones could be contributing to inflammation. We dive into how to know if we actually have inflammation, what things we can do to discover that, how to regulate and balance inflammation, and the simple lifestyle factors that can contribute to healthy hormone harmony. So let's jump into it. Michelle, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Hello. Now, I just want to give everyone a bit of a backstory. It is quite late for Michelle and she's got two young bubs. <laughs> and when I say late, it's like 9.30. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Mm, can't wait to learn more about you and all you offer. But tell us what day of your cycle are you on and how are you checking in today in this moment? How are you feeling? Yeah, I am on day 23. It's my basically I've had my first cycle since having my children. <laughs> so actually it was not as bad as I imagined it to be. Um, but you know, definitely feel the cycle, my next cycle coming again, which, you know, hoping it will be regular. <laughs> so feeling like I want to just rest and, <laughs> and just, you know, take care of myself. Good. Especially with baby twins. Yes. Rest, <laughs> yeah. like nurture yourself. <laughs> Um, so yeah, again, thank you for being here. And I love that you've experienced your first cycle. I know a lot of mums who through postpartum, like, I just want to be cycling again. Like I really just want that time for myself. So I'm glad. How does that feel for you? Good. I mean, honestly, it is kind of nice to not have to deal with that every month. Right. But you know, it is kind of nice to have that back, that predictability, um, you know, just feeling like you're becoming back to normal, if that makes mm, sense. Right. Yeah. Back to kind of like your post baby self a little bit. So it is, awesome. it is nice to have it go back. 
Oh, good. Well, thank you for sharing where you are in your cycle with us. Mm-hmm. Now tell us, pe- there's going to be some people listening to this who have never even heard of you before. And we're talking about, I, f- I feel an element of the menstrual cycle that can create a lot of cycle imbalances that people don't really know about. So I'm really excited to talk about this particular topic, which I'll share more in a, in a minute, but who are you? And how did you get into this world of beautiful functional medicine, becoming a dietitian? Like, how did you get here? Yeah. So um, I kind of work on that functional medicine side, like you said. So I really utilize kind of like a root cause approach with my clients because, you know, I've definitely dealt with my fair share of period problems, hormone problems, (laughs) and other health issues that really led me to really dig to why, right? Cause no one could tell me why I was going from doctor to doctor and everyone was trying to give me pills or telling me they didn't know what was wrong. Right. And I was like, there has to be a reason, <laughs> you know? So I have to kind of put my own detective head on, um, you know, and I already was, you know, when I was experiencing all of this in school to be a dietitian. So I really took that drive to figure out kind of the root cause. And I really thought that women's health was such an, like, I feel like women really need to be heard. Cause I think a lot of times, you know, we're brushed off. A lot of our issues are brushed off as either normal or very common. And I kind of want to, you know, let women know that you are supposed to feel good. Your periods are not supposed to be something you should dread and, you know, really figuring out what's going on so we can fix that for good and not just kind of cover it up. So you know, kind of getting into that side of things just through my own health journey. And then I love the, I just love the women's health side of things and love working with women. Mm, and breaking the taboos, because I'm, I'm sure you see a lot of like clients or patients, however you refer to them, come into your space and say, oh my God, I've just got the normal blah, 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 blah. And this is like, you know, I'm just so sick of having period pain. And a part of you is like, why have you been dealing with this for so long? Like, like, come earlier. Do you see that often that, that women just accept these uncomfortabilities around their cycle? I do. And I just think we're just not told that you can feel any different or Mm. right. The birth control pill is often just, that's the thing that's going to fix it. So most people come to me and they're like, well, I've been on the pill for nine years. I've been on different types of pills and nothing's worked. And finally I'm off of it and everything just came back. Right. Or the pill made it all worse or, you know, anything like that. So, you know, there's a time and a place for everything, but I think that women, that's kind of like the first line of not defense, but the first line of treatment Mm. from traditional medicine. And I just don't think people understand that there's, there's other practitioners out there, right. That have other options. And I also don't feel like doctors are really trained in other options, right. In personalized nutrition in how lifestyle and stress management and, you know, working with your cycles, the phases of your cycles, all that stuff can really, really help women and help to kind of make your period, not something that you dread every month Mm. or keeps you home from work or keeps you from school. Debilitated. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. That's so important to, to, to pinpoint because a lot of Western practicing, and I say Western because I think Eastern is a little bit more holistic focus when it comes mm-hmm. to general practicing doctors, but you know, they're just not taught that. And it's not wrong that they're not taught how to, exactly. you know, 
tell you exactly what micronutrients you need to have to balance X, Y, and Z hormones. That's just not what they're trained in unless they've done additional courses. And so, you know, it's important to reach out to those people who are trained in those areas for that support and having a team of support, mm-hmm. knowing that your body's not designed to be in pain. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really big one for a lot of menstruators that I see in my my practice is they're like, but isn't it normal to have period pain and excessive bleeding and bloating and cramping and migraines? And I'm mm-hmm. like, do you really think, you know, the whole ecology, you know, biology of, of people was designed to be like this? Like, what about all the other mammals who also menstruate? Like, are they designed to be in this pain too? Yeah. So we're looking at things differently now, which is really beautiful. Really beautiful. Yeah. Anything else you want to share on that? No, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head, right? It's it's meant to be this kind of beautiful thing, right? Bringing life, it's it's meant to, you know, bring life into the world, your whole cycle. That's, you know, in a very primitive way, kind of mm. what it is. So, um, you know, I think it's supposed to be something that is not dreaded, but more celebrated. And if I think the more you understand about your cycle, the more you appreciate your body and like what it's actually doing for you and not working against you. Because I think when people are struggling with that, a lot of people think, their body's working against them, right? These symptoms are their body, like punishing them, but it's not, it's just them letting you know that there's an imbalance and something that needs to be fixed. Totally. And, um, you know, sometimes we don't know that unless we reach out for support or education. So it's wonderful what you're doing. Now let's talk about inflammation because there are many cycle signs out there or PMS is mm-hmm. some, some people refer to them. And I think clinically there's over like 200 different types of PMS that you know you can get. Yeah. And I feel like inflammation contributes to a lot of them. And we've never talked solely about inflammation on the show. And there's a lot of misunderstanding or just uneducation or uneducated um, uneducation around inflammation and the impacts of inflammation on the cycle. So talk to us, like what is inflammation in the body? And then what is inflammation when it comes to the menstrual cycle? Cause I feel like people are like, yeah, I rolled my ankle. Of course I've got inflammation, Yeah, <laughs> but that's different. Right. So can you guide us with that? Yeah. I mean, there's acute and there's chronic, chronic inflammation. So acute inflammation, you're thinking about like, Oh, I stubbed my toe, right. Something like that. And then chronic inflammation, is when you're chronically inflamed, it can be from, I mean, honestly, like you said, there's, there's a huge list of things that can drive inflammation, but specifically when we're talking about your cycle or when we're talking about hormones specifically, there are specific hormones that can drive inflammation in the body, um, that definitely have to do with your cycle. And, and a lot of them can, it's definitely like a chicken and egg kind of thing, right? What came first, the inflammation or the hormone issue And so it's really kind of uncovering what's driving that inflammation in the first place Mm. um, to really kind of figure that out. But inflammation does have a huge role in making those like those PMS symptoms, right. Or those super painful periods or different conditions like, you know, PCOS that affects your hormones or endometriosis, things like that um, can help. The hormones can definitely drive inflammation and things like that, or just people who don't have a specific condition and just have really bad PMS or migraines, like you said, before your periods. Mm. So you mentioned a few times about hormones and there's four specific hormones for the cycle, but the body produces many more hormones than that as a, mm-hmm. as a menstruator or a womb owner. So what hormones 
changes or specific hormones impact inflammation? Like what's contributing hormonally to inflammation being present in the body? Yeah. So I feel like there's a few hormones that can definitely drive inflammation. And, and when I think of these hormones, I think of them in more of like a Goldilocks situation, right? So Mm. you think of Goldilocks, you think of the porridge, right? You think of too cold, just right. And hot. And when we think of hormones, we want them to be just right (laughs) when they are, there are too many, or there are too little, both of them, both of those extremes can cause issues. So cortisol, which doesn't necessarily specifically have to do with your, um, period, but it is one of our main stress hormones in the body and stress definitely contributes to period problems. Cortisol, um, which is produced by our adrenal glands that sit above our kidneys. When you're very stressed, when you have long-term stress, cortisol can be high, which actually can increase inflammation in the body. Cortisol is very anti-inflammatory. It's very immune modulating when it is in the proper (laughs) amounts, but when it becomes too much, that can definitely drive inflammation, which inflammation, like we said, chicken or the egg, right? What came first Mm. can also cause hormone dysfunction. So it's kind of like this never ending circle, right? Of like a lot of things causing inflammation. Um, but then when we're talking about our cycle hormones, um, when we think of estrogen, which is one of our main, you know, sex hormones is women too much can cause inflammation. And then too little, when we think of like, um, menopause. So when women are in menopause, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, everything is really low, low hormones can actually cause inflammation as well because they are needed to help mediate that inflammation in the body. So again, right. Too much, too little is, is really, you want to have it at that perfect amount. Um, and then one more kind of really important one to touch on is when we think of ovulation. So ovulation, you, a lot of people think of it as really just pregnancy, right? Ovulation <laughs> is to get pregnant, yeah, but there's to, a to lot avoid of other, pregnancy. Avoid yeah, pregnancy. exactly. But <laughs> you want to ovulate, you need to ovulate for optimal health. And Mm -hmm. when we think of ovulation, that's when you produce progesterone. So progesterone is actually very anti-inflammatory. So I find a lot of clients who are not ovulating do have inflammation or have inflammation that can also lead them to have trouble ovulating. Isn't this so fun, right? It's like this back and forth. Everyone's listening to like, just tell me the fucking answer. (laughs) Like, what is it? Um, but I just think it's important to understand, like, while I'm saying this too, is how like everything is so interconnected, mm. right? Cause you can look on the internet and be like, oh, I think I have high estrogen. What do I do? But it's also like, how are they all interacting with each other? It's the whole picture. Cause if I just ran your estrogen, right. If we run a test and I just ran your estrogen, didn't run any other sex hormones, that's like one piece of the puzzle. So it's really like looking at the full picture of everything. That's what I try to look at especially to figure out what's going on because usually they're, they're interplaying with each other, right? They're all pieces of this puzzle when you're usually trying to figure out something like that. Yeah. It's like doing a where's Wally puzzle and you've got the border done, which, cause that's exactly. where everyone starts and you're like, but I'm, I can't find the pieces. And that person looks like the same as the other person. Yeah. Um, I love so much, Michelle, that you mentioned about cortisol to do with hormones that are imbalanced to contribute to imbalance in your menstrual cycle, because so many people just think of estrogen and progesterone. A lot of people don't even know about FSH or LH. And they just mm-hmm. think, okay, well, I've got an imbalance in either estrogen or progesterone because I've got this thing wrong with my cycle. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more in the endocrine system that contributes. Yeah. And so I really love that you brought like um, cortisol to light because 
it just goes to show that how you live your lifestyle can create mm-hmm. inflammation in your body. And I'm not just talking about, and you know this, but for everyone else, I'm not just talking about food yeah, or drinking alcohol. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, how like high stress level is your job? You know, are, are you in a toxic relationship? You're living in a toxic um, environment, maybe not with mold and toxins, but like the yeah. living situation. Do you have like neighbors where you feel unsafe? Like, is that toxic? Mm-hmm. And all of that contributes. Um, so I'd love to ask about the hormones, what is the most common imbalances that you do see that you can see a bit of a pattern with? Okay, well, like there's more people with this imbalance than other imbalances. Yeah, I think, you know, I feel like there's definitely a wide variety of things. Um, And also like, just to like kind of backtrack a little bit, when you look at all of this, right, and you're listening to me and you're like, like you said, like, just tell me what to do. This is all like, (laughs) you know, a big circle. I just think it shows like how complicated a picture your hormones are and how no wonder when you're looking on Google, you like, can't figure out what to do. Right. Because just don't Google it. Exactly. But it is confusing. Right. So that's why it is helpful to, you know, reach out to someone, like you said, like reaching out to have that support. Um, as far as like what I see typically, um, I feel like high estrogen is really common. Um, and high estrogen can come from so many different things. There's different types of, um, that because you can have high estrogen and you can have normal progesterone because progesterone and estrogen are like BFFs, right? Progesterone keeps estrogen in check. (laughs) So, you know, you can have normal progesterone and just high estrogen, right? Just that typical, like estrogen dominance. Then you can also have low progesterone or no progesterone and high progesterone and high estrogen, sorry, or even normal estrogen. But because that progesterone isn't there, even though your estrogen is normal, you're still in like an estrogen dominant state. So we want that homeostasis. Your body always wants to be in homeostasis. So I see that a lot. And I think a lot of it is there's so many endocrine disruptors, a lot of liver stress, um, just because of like, we're literally exposed to so many chemicals in our water, in our air, in our beauty products and our food. So it's a little bit of like a burden on the body for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I also do see, you know, when it comes to sex hormones, um, either really depleted just because of high stress over exercising, under eating, I see a lot of times women missing their periods or hormones are like almost in a menopausal range in their twenties, which it should not be like that. Um, So, you know, what's really like a big thing with that is just making sure you're nourishing your body, you know, as women, a lot of us think like exercising more eating less. That's like the way to go, right? Like punishing our bodies into submission into what we think we want it to look like, but women's bodies are extremely delicate and your body does not want to reproduce when it is being chased by a lion. And if it is under stress, like undernourishment, stress at work, things like that, your body doesn't want to ovulate. It doesn't want to have a period because it feels unsafe. So I think that's another common one I see. And then PCOS. So PCOS is super common. Um, you know, so I see a lot of those like androgen hormones, testosterone, things like that, um, imbalances as well. Mm, And are the PCOS numbers still like one in 10, one in nine? I think it's one in 10. Don't yeah, because I know my brain. My brain is not working to the you know maximum these days. My, my brain works numbers, for three but... people these days. Me and my two children. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do know that endometriosis is one in ten, mm-hmm. and I thought PCOS is very similar, but maybe one in nine. But there's so many different like 
maybe that's just here in Australia, but you know, we're mm. quite similar to North America and all Western countries in that matter. But there are so many things that contribute. So everyone who's listening, I hope you mm-hmm. can just see that this isn't just about like, oh, I ate too much chocolate before my bleed. And this is mm-hmm. why I have period pain or, um, you know, I have digestive challenges and I'm exploring why I have digestive challenges. So therefore that's why I have this thing. There's so mm-hmm. many like factors, like you said, like Goldilocks in the middle. Yeah. Um, too hot, too cold, just Goldilocks in the middle. And I love that you also mentioned about estrogen, you know, often high estrogen or dominant estrogen dominance because people like to blame hormones. You know, they're very good at like, oh, I've just got this hormonal imbalance and my skin's really flaring up because of hormones, but there's so much more to it. And I I think that we should stop blaming and actually start own owning. And like, actually mm-hmm. I could improve this part of my lifestyle and I can see mm-hmm. that there's an opportunity here. Um, and I'd love to get your opinion on that, but I just want to say before you mentioned, and I typed it out, you need to ovulate for optimal health. And I just want to highlight that line mm-hmm. after you mentioned about, you know, if you're feeling, like, if you're being chased by a lion or your boss is yelling at you every fucking day, <laughs> like, same, same, or you're going through a traumatic breakup. Um, or uh, there's been a death in the family or something like that, like your body doesn't feel safe to reproduce. And so it's going to mm. naturally look after other aspects of your health first before reproduction because reproduction will only happen healthily if yeah. everything else is in order. So I love, it's such a good line. You need to ovulate for optimal health. Thank you for sharing that. You do. Um, this is the like shit we should have learned in sex ed, right? Totally. <laughs> like this is the stuff we should have learned. We actually you know? just need period so, ed. We just need a whole we do, separate thing. We do. Yeah, sex ed is important, but let's just have period ed too. And um, yes. anyway, I could talk. That's a whole different topic. I know. I was like, about. oh, we could get off on a tangent <laughs> on that one for sure. Um, but um, when it comes to hormones too, like you mentioned, I think that people need to also realize like when I'm talking about like root cause, like root cause medicine, root cause nutrition, whatever we're talking about, hormones are not the root cause. You can run whatever type of hormone test. And if your hormones are off, that's not like the end of the line. Like, oh, this estrogen is here. You have to figure out why. It's it's your lifestyle, like you said, it's your lifestyle. Sometimes it is, you know, other things not necessarily your lifestyle and you need a little bit extra support, but that's not the root cause is your high estrogen. It's what is driving that high estrogen that you need to fix. What, what landed you in this situation? And it usually is more than one thing. It's not like, like you said, like you ate one piece of chocolate or it's not, you gained five pounds. It's usually like a mix of like five different things that you have to correct in order to, to, to support that estrogen. And most people are like, just tell me the one thing and then I'll yes. focus on the one thing. And then everything. <laughs> or the one supplement fine. or whatever, right? The, yeah. the magic pill. Yeah. And I, I love earlier you mentioned that we have so many like estrogen contributing factors in our life. Even like receipts have estrogen in them. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, when I was studying fertility to be a natural fertility educator a few years ago now, there was a, a study that I read about <laughs> people, I don't, I don't want to call them checkout chicks, but women or men who worked as, you know, the checkout people in the store, or the grocery store, and them handling these receipts every day. They were tested in the morning before their shift where their estrogen levels were and then in the afternoon where their estrogen levels were. And the the difference of Scott, like was a skyrocket. And that's, th- that's just touching receipts. And so if we start to look at, okay, I'm going, I'm going to go on a rant here, Michelle, but no, I'll, get, I'll, love I'll, I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll get there quickly. 
If we start to look at the fact that only in the last six decades or six to seven decades has our lifestyle dramatically changed from the things we can have support with, devices, internet, electricity, um, TVs, all the stuff, not to mention the changes in the food industry, Mm. not to mention how we move our bodies and the change in that aspect. And then on top of it, the roles that we have now, like we have so many other things to do than what we once did say a hundred years ago. And Mm. that is a big contributor. So it's not just always the food and it's not just always the movement. It's so much more. So how do you communicate that to your clients? Like, how do you get that message across? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's really just important that, you know, as a practitioner, right, you create a protocol or you create a, you know, plan for your clients. That is something that is doable, right? Because I think a lot of times we just get that overwhelm. And when you're talking about chemicals, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, whatever, you know, something's going to give me cancer. Like, I feel like I've heard that like 500 times when, you know, I'm talking about like clean beauty or like clean deodorant. And it's really about like reducing your toxic load as much as possible because there's no way to completely avoid toxins. And there's also no way to completely be perfect in your life with food, with lifestyle, with anything. I mean, I am not perfect. (laughs) I had chicken nuggets and salad for lunch, you know? So like, you know, it's, it's about really one finding something that's going to work for you long-term, but also realizing that it's like not about perfection, right? It's really about being like super consistent and knowing your why you're doing something. And so that can continue to drive you forward because you're not always going to be motivated because honestly, motivation is really fleeting, um, you know, and it's only going to pop up in, in small amounts. So, you know, I think it's really making people realize that to, to improve their health, to improve their hormonal health, if it's an autoimmune, I mean, whatever your health issue is, it's really about figuring out what's going on and then like taking small steps forward. Cause you think of like a ladder, a ladder, you know, you're going up rung by rung by rung, and then eventually going to get to the top. You know, I think we all think it just needs to be this like shoot to the top, you know, a week later, I'm just like magically there, but you didn't get sick overnight. You didn't develop a hormonal condition overnight, you know, what, whatever it is, it's going to take time to, to fix it. I don't know if I went mm. off on a rant there, but <laughs> no, it was, it was a beautiful rant. I like to summarize that when I like educate that it's a tortoise race, not a hair mm. race. And yeah. it's not like when you're rushing to the end, I always like to reflect Michelle. like, the only thing you're rushing towards is death. Like that's the end goal. Like it's not a goal, but like, that's the end destination. Yeah. So how can we like slow down and actually start to enjoy more and take time to acknowledge the things that we're mm-hmm. doing? And how's that actually helping with that journey? Is it bringing that journey forward 20 years or is it expanding at 20 years? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I love that. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by the Yoni Pleasure Palace, the home of Yoni Eggs. Yoni Eggs are the OG when it comes to essential self-care practice. However, have you started using one yet? Yoni eggs have been around and used for thousands of years to nurture and enhance the life force energy. 
They're designed to help strengthen, tone, and resensitize the vagina. By using a yoni egg for 30 minutes a day to a couple of hours, it can gradually start to tone, strengthen the pelvic floor whilst also creating more lubrication, arousal, and sensation. The Yoni Pleasure Palace has an abundance of various eggs, all that are handmade, meaning variation can occur in every egg, making each one unique. They're available in different crystals, different sizes, as well as drilled with a string and undrilled. Personally, I use the red carnelian egg in my inner autumn premenstrual. I love the black obsidian and of course I have the rose quartz. These eggs have helped me create cycle balance, get connected with my self-care practice and enjoy more self-pleasure. Head over to the yonipleasurepalace.com to learn more and use the code Gemma10 for 10% off. Now I'd love to ask the question, is it the hormones that affect inflammation or is it inflammation that affects the hormones? I think I would just have to go back to this, that like chicken and the egg, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, inflammation can affect hormones, but hormones can actually cause inflammation. So it's really, you know, taking that detective work back. So for instance, when I was thinking about that question, I had a client who had Crohn's disease. So that is something she's had for a very long time. It's really out of control. When we did her, you know, GI stool test, her calprotectin, which is a marker for inflammation was crazy high. Um, so she definitely has inflammation going on there. That was actually what was stopping her from ovulating because that stress was causing her body so much stress that an inflammation that it was stopping her from ovulating right. Which then in turn was causing anxiety. And it's like this whole, just almost like a domino effect, right. That one thing, you know, what stays, <laughs> your body isn't like Vegas, doesn't like nothing <laughs> stays where it's supposed to be. Right. I mean, one thing in the gut is going to affect your hormones, or right? if you have inflammation somewhere else, it's going to affect down the line. Eventually it's just how long has it been going on? How out of control? I think like, has it been allowed to get, um, and also like, what are you doing to support that? Because I have clients who come to me and almost have been like, whatever, like I have these problems and nothing's helping it. So I don't care anymore. Then I have clients who still really are trying their best. And that's, I think a little bit easier, right? Because they're still at least trying to work on their diet, trying to work on stress management, trying to, you know, like get movement and support inflammation. And then there's some people that I think get really overwhelmed and just kind of say, screw it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think Exactly. Which I mean, I, I get it. It is super frustrating having health issues and, and feeling like what you're doing isn't working. Um, but you know, if someone's listening to this, that's the time to reach out to somebody, you know, or reach out to somebody to get a referral to somebody because there's somebody out there that can help you, you know, a hundred percent. And if you are just Dr. Googling and you're like, help me with this, blah, blah, blah. It's going to give you all these different things you can do. And it could send you off on a very wrong Mm -hmm. direction. And reaching out for support isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of Mm-mm. strength. And when you get support, like I'm sure you do this with your patients and clients, you're like, look, we could do 10 things right now, but let's just focus on these two first. Mm-hmm. They will help with the others. Like you said, a domino effect. And I think that's yeah. the benefit of having support. I like to say with my coaching clients that a good coach or a good practitioner is someone who can see in you what you yet can't see in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we're the ones on the outside. We like, we're not emotionally invested as you are. 
we do have we do have an investment, but <laughs> not as much as you. And we can go, hey, look, we're overthinking everything. Let's just start really simply here and then let's make a progress mm-hmm. and then let's add something else in because it's so easy to be overwhelmed and be like, fuck this. I'm throwing yeah. in the towel and I don't care. I'm just going <laughs> to eat fucking burgers every day. Um, yeah, so, so important. Um, I'd love to ask you, how can we regulate and manage inflammation? And actually before that, let's, I've got another question I want to ask because there's so many questions. How do we know if we have inflammation? Let's do that first and then go into the regulation. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, symptom wise, like you said, like a lot of period problems, heavy periods, painful periods, when you're talking about that side of things, um, skin, acne, um, like psoriasis, eczema, anything like that definitely can indicate inflammation, headaches, joint pain. Um, I feel like there's like so many symptoms of inflammation. (laughs) Um, so, so really symptom wise, but also like you can do testing, you know, um, some of the testing I, I like to do is looking at your C-reactive protein, which is looking at inflammation. Um, and then also you can look at like homocysteine can sometimes indicate that, or, um, even like ferritin can indicate, you know, some higher inflammation. So, you know, looking at lab work, but also kind of looking at your signs and symptoms too, I think is really the best way, um, to kind of figure out what's going on. So one of the most common things, like I said, headache, joint pain, most likely, (laughs) you know, some sort of inflammatory response. If you're having like really, really painful, horrible periods, most likely some inflammation going on. And usually with skin, I feel like those are the most common things I see, I guess. No, that's great. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. So how can we regulate and manage inflammation? Not that we want to manage it, just keep it around, but what are some of your top tips or steps or guides for that? Something that we can do, um, to help balance. Yeah. So first is really figuring out what's causing it. Um, and then also foundational. So I think those are like the two most important things. So some common things that I think drive inflammation is autoimmunity, gut imbalances, too little, or even too much exercise diet, as we know, um, blood sugar imbalances are huge stress, lack of sleep, food sensitivities, things like that are pretty common. Um, but really where I start with all my clients is the foundational support, right? So diet lifestyle is super, super important. Um, so kind of foundationally where I start as a dietitian, right? I had to start with diet. (laughs) So foundational support for diet really is blood sugar balance. So unbalanced blood sugar, um, can lead to inflammation. So having like being on a roller coaster all day with your blood sugar is really going to put you at risk for having inflammation, um, and driving inflammation in the body. So some things that can really help that, that I recommend that are pretty easy is really having balanced meals. So making sure when you're building a meal, you're having enough protein, you're having a good, like fiber rich carb, like a sweet potato, um, you know, vegetables that have carbs in them, fruits, things like that, um, whole grains, and then you're going to have, um, some healthy fat as well. So really building that plate in a healthy way is going to help balance your blood sugar throughout the day. And usually also I'll recommend, you know, not going too long without eating. So, you know, intermittent fasting is this huge thing. Most of the research is done on women who are in menopause and men. So women are not like the best test subjects because our periods mess and skew data. So a lot of the research behind that is actually done 
not on menstruating women. Um, so really trying to eat every three to four hours, making sure you're not going too long can really help support cortisol levels, support hormones, support mood, all of that stuff, and keep your blood sugar nice and balanced throughout the day. Um, you talked about it earlier, stress management, um, <laughs> boundaries. If I everyone know, like, can see Michelle right now, show hands like stress management, tapping stress on the management. table. <gasps> stress management. It is the hardest thing for people um, because so much of stress comes from things that we can't necessarily control. Right. And we all want to control and stop things. And a lot of times I'm working people like, I just want to know what to do. And I'm like, we got to reduce stress. Right. And they're like, Oh, like I can't take a pill. I can't like eat this food <laughs> or something like that. Um, like you're saying so, the wrong person. I'm not here to yeah. give you band-aids. <laughs> yeah. So stress management is huge. And like I said, it's so frustrating because it's not something you can control, but you can control how you react to those things and how you build up your stress resilience. Right. So usually I'll recommend about like 10 minutes of stress management per day. Um, which a lot of times, you know, sitting watching Netflix and scrolling your phone is not stress management. That's not like actually real like actively relaxing, is, right? right? You're like, right, right. Um, so doing something like doing a gratitude journal, doing some meditation, some breath work, you know, even going for a walk, something like that that's actually gonna be calming for your mind, like retraining your brain, right? It's like working out your brain um to have that to just kind of calm down, have that time for yourself, I think is super important when learning to modulate and support inflammation or not to support inflammation, but to support and be Mm -hmm. (laughs) anti-inflammatory. Sleep is huge. We need to sleep. You need to be sleeping in like, honestly, minimum eight hours a day, like a really minimum seven hours. You know, if you, you know, everybody's a little bit different, but you got to be sleeping because sleeping, you, you really, it really sets you up for good blood sugar control throughout the day. Your body actually detoxes when you sleep, your brain detoxes when you sleep. Um, and it's really going to set you up, you know, to have that, to, to be, to support inflammation as I'm babbling about that, but sleep, we got to sleep and mom's out there. If you're listening to it, I get it. It's hard. There are going to be seasons of life, right. Where you can't do all these things. But again, like we mentioned, just doing the best you can, um, trying to support yourself through all the seasons of life. Mm-hmm. Um, movement, movement is super important. You know, we're so sedentary all day. And a lot of people think like, oh, I need to just go to the gym for those, you know, 30 minutes hour. And I put my time in for the day check. And then I'm done. What really matters when it comes to like reducing inflammation is what you're doing throughout the day, right? Getting movement throughout the day, that neat exercise, which is going to be those little things you're doing, like parking farther at the grocery store and walking into the grocery store or taking the steps at work up and down a little bit or standing while you're working or going on a walk on your lunch break versus just moving for one hour and then sitting the whole rest of the day, (laughs) you know? So that is another thing that you can do. Um, And then sunshine, you've got to get out, get vitamin D, get in nature, ground yourself, get into sunshine, you know, not be locked up all day in front of all your electronics and your computers and your blue lights. Um, you know, here I'm in like the Midwest. Uh, so it's about to be winter and about to not have a lot of sunshine and outdoors, but, um, you know, again, doing the best you can, but again, it's all that foundational support. So it's diet, lifestyle, stress, sleep, movement, sunshine. Um, a lot of times, 
people are like, that's it. <laughs> that's what I need to do. That's the right? magic cure. <laughs> that's the magic cure. But, you know, really getting that foundational support and, you know, keeping those promises to yourself every day of those little habits, because habits are what create your health. You know, it's those like little habits that you do every day that create long-term health. Mm, I like to say it's the little things you do every day that count, not the things you do sometimes, which is exactly the same thing just said differently. Um, I just, so many great tips there. And it's like, yes, that is the magic cure doing all of those things. Yeah. And like, but more importantly, like you said, you can't always do everything, but Mm. every time you just add a little bit in or refine a certain habit, if you do it without pressure, it could create a long-term habit and that's how you create long-term change. And I love, you know, it seems so simple. It's like, well, every day I'm eating anyway and I'm sleeping every day anyway. So what else can I do to add in or change things in those habits already? Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to ask a question. I know how you mentioned about blood sugar and eating, you know, fiber, protein, good like carbs with fiber and healthy fats. What about, there's a lot of talk about you need to eat protein first thing in the day for a healthy cycle. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I definitely recommend like a good high protein breakfast. I think it's going to set you up for good, good blood sugar control, but also like less cravings throughout the day. Cause a lot of women, I feel like we're eating like iced coffee for breakfast. Like iced coffee is not, that is not breakfast. It's not breakfast ladies. And neither is a, like a protein bar <laughs> or anything like that. Or like an apple, like you need to be eating a breakfast. I usually recommend like 20 to 30 grams of protein, but also a lot of women are like, well, I eat two eggs for breakfast. Two eggs is like 14 grams of protein, which is definitely not enough for breakfast <laughs> for you to really be like satiated because a lot of times like your body knows how much protein it needs. And actually women need a lot more protein than they think they do. Mm. Um, and your body's going to keep wanting food and keep eating until it gets that protein need. Right. So a lot of times women eat this like super tiny breakfast or they're like, I'm intermittent fasting and they just have their coffee. And then, you know, they're eating like a salad with chicken for lunch. And then all of a sudden they're like, why do I binge at night? <laughs> Maybe this is off the topic of inflammation, but I do think it's an important topic. It is. Um, they get is to that- the nighttime and they're like, how, why am I binging? And I'm like, well, you literally ate nothing during the day. Your body is like starving for fuel, you know? And I think if women would learn to think of food as nourishment versus like, I need to like not eat to be looking a certain way. You know, I think when you reframe your mind and the way that you think about things, I think that really serves us better. Like, what can I add to this meal to make it more nourishing? How, uh, you know, like what can I eat (laughs) that's going to nourish me versus like how many calories does this have? (laughs) I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And there's just so much pressure that we think that food equals how we look, but everything Mm -hmm. equals how you look, not just food. So thank you for sharing on that because I think proteins, you know, I I have a background as a food science formulator where I worked in nutritional manufacturing for seven years. And that was the era where like protein shakes and like bringing out the, you know, the protein bars and like, these are all the great things for protein and the gym and go to the gym and get more muscle with your protein. And I think it really birthed that, you know, protein was really masculine 
And there's this stigma around it being a masculine, you know, macronutrient, but mm-hmm. protein is so important for so much. And mm-hmm. it can sometimes just come back to going, hey, look, let's just look at how we eat and let's structurally change some things or some routines. And if you think, oh, this is bullshit and that's not going to work because I've been fasting every day for three years and I feel great, but I still get these period pains, you need to like, come to your own conclusions based on your own experience and just give what Michelle is saying a try and just see how that goes for you for a few weeks. And what I do tell people, because I do get that response, like intermittent fasting is amazing. I like whatever I, when you run on stress hormones, of course you feel amazing, right? Because that's essentially what is happening. Your body is running on cortisol because when your blood sugar drops, right? When you're not eating, your body's going to pump out cortisol and cortisol running on cortisol feels great. It's actually very addicting for people. So sometimes when I'm working with someone or working on lowering cortisol, lowering stress, they're like, I feel more tired, right? Of course you feel more tired because your body is regulating to having normal cortisol levels, not high cortisol levels. So that's what I challenge you to think about too. Um, you know, and again, sometimes with diets, I feel like we can get in this like real dogma of like, I'm keto or I'm paleo, or, the label. You know, I'm, yeah. Like the label. And I just think, or like I intermittent fast, but if you, if you're doing something and it's not, and you're still having issues, right. And other things, you got to be able to like switch it up and try different things, you know, cause staying stuck where you are is not going to like push you and give you momentum forward with your health. You know, you got to be able to like switch things up and also like, you know, think of another view of something too, because like you or me, right? I mean, when you see so many clients, right? And you see the same things over and over again, you know, you, I feel like I can almost pinpoint, you know, certain things that some, like just by talking to someone, just because you see it so often. Um, But, you know, just find a practitioner or somebody, if you are having issues, like we mentioned that you trust and you really can like put all of your stress into, and they are the ones who then can be the detectives, right? You don't have to go on Google. You don't have to do those things, you know, and you can, you get to find somebody that you trust that you're going to put your life in their hands. Right. But you know, that you're going to trust them with your health, if that makes sense. It makes complete sense. And that's also stress management because you're releasing Mm -hmm. some of that stress and Mm -hmm. actually going, Hey, I need some support. Let's work as a team on this. Like, what can I do? What are your thoughts? How, like, yeah, it's just another stress management technique, really, mm-hmm. by asking for help. And it's not delegation. <laughs> delegation. That's actually my my motto at the moment is what else can I delegate out? Like trying to release my load so that I can, you know, spend more time walking around mm-hmm. the day, going to the garden at lunchtime and picking some yeah. food. You know, all of that contributes. Um, Michelle, this has been amazing. And I know everybody would have got so much great value out of this. So uh, like if I was listening to this for the first time, I'd be writing all these notes in my journal. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so thank you. Now, how can people find you? How can they connect with you? Be like, actually, maybe I need to reach out to you for your support. Um, how can they connect? Yeah. So I'm over on Instagram at hormone harmony RD. Um, and then my website is nutritionwithmichelle.com, but you can always come over to Instagram and shoot me a DM. I love chatting with everyone over there too. So, and if there's something you have a question on from this podcast, you can shoot me a DM too. Mm, I love that. Thank you for offering that support. Yeah. Um, I'll put all of those notes in the show, all of those links in the show notes, not the notes in the show notes, but there will be <laughs> notes in the show notes too. Um, 
Thank you so much for being here. I have one final podcast question before I let you go to bed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I want you to think back to your younger menstruating self, Michelle. It's a little bit of a different question than what we've been talking about, but what are three things that you wish you had have known when you started menstruating that you now know today? Ooh, okay. That birth control was not going to fix my cycle. That's one thing I wish I knew because I had extremely painful periods. Like I'm not even in my junior year yearbook because I missed picture day. And then a month later where I got my second and my other period after that, then I missed my makeup picture day. <laughs> so oh, wow. you know, I think that's one thing I wish I knew. Cause I just, you know, as young, I just was like, okay, just tell me what to do to get, you know, fix this problem. Right. Um, and then I think, you know, I wish I had just learned more about my cycle, you know, really wanted to dig in and learn more about my cycle. But I guess, and then like we talked about, right. Sex ed, I wish we had a period, um, you know, know, like a class about our periods and learned about that. Um, and then just telling myself too, like your hormones are your superpowers, you know, so you have to learn to kind of work with them instead of against them, because, when you learn to work with your hormones and work in a way that supports them, you can really feel really good. Mm, I love that. They so are your superpower. Like, oh, estrogen's high and I'm going to do all this stuff that I can't normally do other <laughs> times in my cycle. I exactly. love it. Hormones are your superpower. Michelle, thank you so much for being here and talking all about inflammation and cycle balancing, and all the things that go with that. I really appreciate you sharing with the community. So thanks for turning up and being here. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.